The Outskirts of Faith podcast is brought to you by Monkey Nut Audiobooks. Creating audiobooks, podcasts and voiceovers that keep people listening. Hello and welcome to the Outskirts of Faith podcast, a podcast that is literally for everyone. Conversation has been going on for around 2,000 years and the source of that conversation has been going on since the dawn of time. Whether you just have an interest, whether you are already a Christian, whether you want to know a bit more about Jesus, whether you want to explore your faith, whether you just think to yourself, do you know what? I just know there's something else. Well, there is. And you are very, very welcome here on the Outskirts of Faith podcast. Be sure to check us out on our channels. We got your TikTok, you got your Instagram, you got your Facebook, and just search if you for the Outskirts of Faith podcast. And remember to always use the hashtag, and I love saying this, hashtag oof, Outskirts of Faith, double O F. Let's find out what's going on in today's podcast. If you're on the outskirts of faith, have a look at the lives of the people who have faith and take a really good look and see the difference Jesus makes. Knowing God does make such a difference. People eventually see it. I think we're in friendship poverty as a world at the moment. One of the reasons that we're in such a crisis is that the relational bonds have broken down. So I am very, very excited to be joined here today by author and evangelist from the Evangelical Alliance, Phil Knox. Phil, you are so very, very welcome here today. It is terrific to be with you, Elliot. Hi, everybody on the podcast. So the first thing we need to go for here, there's going to be a lot of people who may not have heard of the Evangelical Alliance. So could you tell us just a bit more about that and what you do? Yeah, I certainly can. And um, as it's for everybody, I might have to begin by uh, explaining what an evangelical is. So an evangelical, but really simply, is a good news person in a bad news world. Evangelical comes from the word evangel, which means which means good news. My 10-year-old asked me recently what one of those was. I said, we are good news people. And I don't know about anybody else, but my news feed at the moment is full of the worst news of my lifetime. We need good news people. So that's why we need evangelicals. We're also an alliance of evangelicals. Why? Because we believe unity is really important. One of the prayers that Jesus prayed for his church is that we would be united together. And so we connect the estimated 2 million evangelical Christians across the UK, thousands of churches, hundreds of organisations. We're a membership organisation. If you're not a member, you should check us out. It's really important. And we do two really simple things. First of all, we want every single person in the United Kingdom to know the good news of Jesus. So we equip and inspire the church to make that happen. And the second thing we do is we speak up at the highest levels of government on issues that really matter to evangelical Christians. Why? Because we need to tell stories about the amazing stuff that the church is doing, how good the good news is, but also speak up on issues that are really important to Christians. That's what we do. My bit within that is I am an author and an evangelist, which means I tell people the good news, but I'm also a missiologist. So I try to understand how people come to faith and one of the roles we play as the Evangelical Alliance is helping the church help people on that journey. And that's what I do. Love that. And it's really interesting because there was a topic that I was going to bring up in another podcast, but I'm going to bring it now because you've said it so many times. Good news. Good news, yeah. okay? So when some people hear that, you know, they may be thinking of, like someone in the high street, you know, with a big plaque going, right. hear the good news, hear the good news. And like, and some yeah. people are going, right, I'm just going to like do a little sort of sidestep around, just do like a little ballet twist and off there we go. What, what does it actually mean, the good news? So the good news of Jesus, and basically is that we are, we are loved beyond our wildest expectations. Uh-huh. 
Um, but equally, there's a, there's a problem in the world, right? So so recently, I did the, the Christmas talk at the Home Office. So I'm with the whole of the Home Office office staff. And I don't need to convince them there's, there's a problem out there. They're trying to fix the world, right? But at the same time, the, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. The problems aren't just out there. They're in here. And the outrageous good news is that God has provided a solution to that problem in the person of Jesus Christ, who became to be one of us, who showed us what life was like. And to reconnect us to God, he died. 2,000 years ago on a Roman cross and beat death three days later. And the greatest news of all is that we can make a decision to, to do a really Christian word, which is called repent, which is say, I'm sorry for going my own way and I'm going to choose to go God's way. And if we do, he gives us forgiveness for our past and solves that problem of our human heart, gives us his presence in our presence. We can know God with us every day. And I don't know about anybody else, but I need to know God is with me, but also hope for the future. And, and when you when you know Jesus, it gives you meaning, purpose. You know that you're loved. You become part of the biggest family on earth. You know who you really are, what you were created for. And it's real life now, real life when you die. And that for me is, is not just good advice. It really is the best news in the world. And, um, and that's what I've kind of committed my life to, to wanting to communicate. So I really believe it makes a difference. It's made a difference in my life. And I've seen it make a, a difference in the lives of hundreds and thousands of other people too. That's really excellent. That really is. I, I love the energy in which you speak about it as well, because that is the energy that it should be spoken. It really is. Now, what I find quite interesting, so uh, you were saying about when Jesus died on the cross. I was actually listening to John. Uh, I listened to the audiobook version of the Bible, which, nice. works, which works for me. And I, I feel like I should say at this point as well, is that don't if a bit of scripture like say a bible doesn't necessarily work for you that doesn't mean it doesn't work for you there are so many different translations so for myself i actually love hearing a few different versions read to me that really helps me get involved now i find that the more i listen to about the the crucifixion the more and more you you kind of begin to understand it the more and more that it you find it on a more personal level would you say that's really important to explore different avenues of that scene, for example? Yes, yeah, certainly. I would say that the good news, it's like a diamond, right? Mm. So, so it's so beautiful. And the thing about kind of beautiful diamonds is you can turn them and see them from different angles. And so when we talk about good news, I've given you a kind of you know, one minute of what I consider to be the essence of the good news. But as you said, there's kind of different ways of, of, in which we communicate that. And sometimes standing on a street corner and shouting might be effective for some, but certainly isn't effective for others. And what what I think the, there's something about, you know, which we might come on to later around kind of the art of communicating the good news. And actually, people who communicate the good news the best are really good listeners first. And so they, we, we find connection points with people's lives. And so, so in terms of the, the cross and, and what the good news is, that often depends on the person you're talking to. So let me, let me give you some examples. So my wife, for example, grew up in a non-Christian family, uh, didn't go to church. And for her, her kind of parents' uh, marriage broke down. Her dad wasn't always the nicest guy to be around. Um, and so for, so for him, uh, for, for Danny, when she was growing up, the good news for her was that God is your father. And that she she really discovered the 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 cross and the resurrection, the good news of Jesus for understanding that God was her father. She, like many teenage girls, struggled with issues of identity. But she would say her her story was that she became a Christian when she read the Bible cover to cover and discovered in the pages a father who loved her unconditionally and was slightly different to the father that she had on earth. You compare that to another story of someone like my best mate, for example. 
he was a hedonistic guy, loved life. He was he's the most fun person to be around. And when he was growing up as a teenager, he was pursuing drugs and drink and girls and all that kind of stuff. And and for him, the the bit of the diamonds that I turned when I was explaining the good news to him, having listened to him, listened to his struggles and his passions, was he wanted to know Jesus gives us life in all its fullness. He was looking for life. And there's this bit in the Bible where Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. And so I guess when, when we look at the cross, when we look at the life of Jesus, when we look at the good news, it's different for different people, or at least there's a different angle that we start at for different people. Um, and the cross and the, and the resurrection fits into that. And for some people, it's about being set free from their sin and the stuff that holds them back. For some people, it's about uh, discovering the love of God and love for the first time. All of it, and as, as we grow as Christians, we, we understand more and more of it. But often there's a different entry point, if you see what I mean. I love when you say about the diamond, because this goes back to what I was saying before, that if you if you go in one angle, I always say there is a door for everybody. The door could be on the floor. There is a door on the ceiling. There's a, there's a chap called Michael Emmett, who was part of the reason why the Alpha Course actually got into the, the prisons. Uh, lovely, lovely guy. And he, um, right. he says my favorite line of all time. He goes, Jesus loves the gutter. And that's how we go, Jesus loves the gutter. Yeah, so he says it. And it's one of my favorite lines. And it just, for me, it just means that, you know, wherever you are, there is a door. There is a door. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. I mean, I can identify, I'm not a teenage girl. Um, well, I not know what I last checked, but I can say that I use the term father. I find that very, very comforting. I, I use that when I pray, when I'm in the car, when I'm just going for a walk, you went with the dog. I used to turn father. It really, really works for me. I identify. So I love the fact that you're talking about that diamond, saying that it is slightly mm. different for everybody. Now, we're talking about the outskirts of faith. Have you ever been on the outskirts of faith, ever been pulled to the outskirts of faith? Or, or you certainly have helped people on the outskirts of faith. What did that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think first of all, I, I'm, I've been really blessed to grow up in a, a Christian family, two amazing Christian parents. But so I think I'll start by answering a bit about kind of the, I'll, I'll draw a bit more on my best mate's story, if that's okay. Mm. And um, and so my best mate's got called Adam, and and he certainly was on the outskirts of faith uh, when I first met him. Um, uh, we were school together, instantly connected. He is like he's an exuberant character, full of life. Um, and as I said, quite of a kind of checkered past. His dad was kind of in and out of prison. And I was, it was a kind of curious match, really, because I was a kind of little squeaky Christian. And um, he was this kind of hardened, bench-pressing, drug-taking, you know, alcohol-swilling yobbo. And, um, but we both loved football. We both loved fun. We both laughed a lot. We really connected and uh, would spend the hour together on the bus uh, to and fro every day to school. And he, he had a really interesting theology, for want of a better world, in terms of what he thought about God. His, his theory in his, his house was that Jesus was just an astronaut with advanced knowledge and that the reason churches have spires is they were like rockets trying to get back up to God. And so it's a really interesting starting point. But he hated Christians. But I was just the, I was just his friend. And so I guess, you know, I guess uh, uh, for, for me, I'd say the first thing, uh, how we can, you know, how we can help people on the outskirts of faith is just by being their friend. Mm. Um, and if you are someone on the outskirts of faith, what's the, how, how do you take the next step? Well, actually find a Christian who you can be friends with and learn from and, and, and journey together with. And so with my best mate, as we spent 10 years through school and, and early, kind of late teens and early 20s journeying together. And he actually, when we were about 21, he had this encounter with God. We just, I'd done loads of praying for him. That's another really important thing. Pray for your friends on the outskirts of faith. And uh, uh, at 21, he'd heard me talk about stuff, but, but he basically had this moment where God just spoke to him out of the blue. He said he kind of almost heard the audible voice. And kind of saying, you know, you, you know I'm real, you, you need to do something about it. And he, he went home from that encounter, basically spent the night 
saying sorry to God for everything he'd ever done wrong, cheating at Monopoly as a kind of, as a kid, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever else. <laughs> and, and he said he woke up a new person. And now, almost 20 years on, his life is completely different. He is utterly transformed. He's a pillar in the community. And, and he would say his life has been completely turned around. And, and so, and that, you know, as his best mate, that's brought me kind of real life. It, um, it, I think what I'll say is it's, it's, sometimes it's a really long journey. And I think I think we pray well. We're a really good friend. We also take the opportunities that we have. About uh, a few months ago, I started uni 20 years ago, last September. And so we had our little 20-year reunion. And um, there was this moment, right? It's about 11 o'clock at night. We're in this bar drinking. And um, this uh, these two mates call me over. And they say, Nuxie, Nuxie, we want to chat to you. I'm like, great. They say, they say, we've got something to tell you. And I'm like, go on. They said, we, we've been having a chat about who's doing best out of life. And I, so I burst out laughing and I said, we've decided it's you. And so I'm really <laughs> laughing. And I then said, and I, said, I said, I said, that's really funny, boys, isn't it? Because I said, I don't earn anywhere near as much as you guys. I have the smallest house. And when we we're at university, you used to take the mick out of me about stuff I wouldn't do with girls and all that kind of stuff. And in the end, I think when we journey with people, knowing God does make such a difference. People eventually see it. And so for me, I think what I'd say is if you're on the outskirts of faith, have a look at the lives of the people who have faith and, and take a really good look and see the difference Jesus makes. Because I do think the proof of the pudding is in the, in the eating. And if you're someone who's looking to reach out to people on the outskirts of faith, I, I'd encourage you to kind of to just keep living, living for Jesus, praying for your mates, be a great friend. Um, I guess for me personally, in terms of kind of being on the outskirts, the closest I've been to kind of doubt and struggle is both my parents have died. So my dad died when I was 21. Uh, my dad, my mum died a couple of years ago. And I think in those moments, you have a choice to either say, I'm going to choose to stay on the outskirts of faith and say, God, stuff you for letting this happen. Mm. Or actually say, God, we really need you right now. And I think my story is that in those moments of just real grief and pain, I've really leaned on God and that has made all the difference. And, and, and actually probably the closest I've known God in, in the 30 years or so I've been following him has been in those moments after mum and dad died. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, first of all, we need to get your mate on. Uh, he sounds great. Yeah, we do. Give him a shout. Yeah, he's great. Text him. Get on yeah. the show. You'll be great. And <laughs> he's, a, he's a builder, so he can kind of follow up with your plumber, mate. Can I play him your impression of him? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty accurate. <laughs> so what I also, uh, it's really interesting to say about when, when people die. I mean, that that's a big thing. There's, there's lots going on in the world like that. But it does open up a whole new question, doesn't it, on is death the end or death the beginning, you know, of, of its eternal life? And how do you want to go into that next stage as well? That's a whole other topic for another day. I love the fact about the friendship. And I think it's really interesting. And this goes back, I always say that people have a flame within them. That, that flame. And, and some people just got like search for it and you find it and then you throw a bit of fuel on it. And I hope that this podcast does that, you know, acts as fuel. But isn't it interesting that your mates came and, and spoke to you about that? You didn't ask him to speak to you about that. Yeah. So it does go into people's minds. People are thinking about it. People are curious. Yeah. So do explore further if you listen to this. Do. Now, I've asked yeah, you to... And, and James, so can, I just, can I just pick up on, yeah. the friendship, on, the, on, the, on the friendship thing? I'm absolutely convinced. It's, it's, my, it's probably, if you ask me, my number one area of passion at the moment. It really is friendship. My next book coming out is on, is on friendship called The Best of Friends. Would love you to take a look if you're, if you're listening to this. But, but I, do, I think we're in friendship poverty as a world at the moment. 
And I think I think that one of the reasons that we're in such a crisis is that our, the relational bonds that maybe have held us together a bit better in the past uh, have, have broken down. And one of the best things we can do as Christians is, is be great friends, A, within the church, be outside the church. But but I really believe one of the solutions to our broken world at the moment is friendship. Do you know, if I'm honest with you, I, I, I completely agree with that. But I also have another slight fault with that as well, which I've been thinking about myself. And what that is, is that people just need to speak up a bit. That's what I think. I think the friendship is there. I think the love is there. But I think that people are getting quite kind of, they're sort of pulling things in rather than yeah. expressing their their love for others. You were saying about the Evangelical Alliance. You were saying like, what'd you say, two million in the UK? Yeah. Two million, okay. That means that people are walking past them on the street, right? Okay. And it's right. the same with Christians and the same with just, people are generally just decent people, you know, like, I love saying hello to people. I love getting that look like, Mate, well, uh, and they feel awkward to go hello. <laughs> you know, I I I loved I love that doing that. It's great, but I think that now is a really really good time for people to say right. Let's you know we know that you got love people. We know there's friendship there. Let's pick up the phone a bit more. Let's pick mm. up the phone. Like I I can't stand WhatsApp for example. I have to use it for some bits. It drives me nuts though, and I'm always getting stick. Always getting stick from my mates. Okay, going. Oh yeah, you won't know about this. It's, it was on WhatsApp, you know, because I've got like five hundred messages. I haven't got time to read through five hundred messages. Pick up the phone, right, yeah. and just say hello, mate. And and I actually said, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you here. I uh, I don't know if you've ever done this, Phil, but it was the year before last. I picked up my phone and I went through and I was like, right, how many people here, you know, have I not spoken to, and do I genuinely yeah. care about? I just went through and started picking them up and ringing them, just say hi. Right, and it just opens right. our communication. So, do you think that something like that is really important to do? Yeah, I think I think we've never been more connected as a world, but but quantity is no substitute for quality. Mm, mm, and mm. I think I think one of the challenges we face is that we have this illusion of friendship because we've got two thousand friends on Facebook, but the reality is that uh, somewhere between one in five and one in three of all men have no one who they would call a close friend. It's not much better for women. 40% of young adults say that they always or often feel lonely. Uh, I think we're in, I think we have lots of connections, but very few deep friendships. And so one of my passions and what the book's about is about how we grow and how we're intentional about who we spend time with and doing things like that earlier, picking up the phone, I think absolutely brilliant. But, but I think there's, I think there's a whole thing around superficiality and vulnerability. We need to, we need to have a serious conversation about, Mm. I think there's a, I think there's a whole conversation around diversity of friendship we need to have a, have a have a have a conversation about because most of our friends look like us, vote like us, think like us, laugh like us. True. Uh, I, true. Think, I think, but I think, I think the beauty of church actually—you're not going to be surprised to hear, hear me say this—the beauty of church is that people of all wealths, backgrounds, diversities, races, stories get together, and that's really, really exciting. And so, so I think, I think we've got it. I think we've got it. I think we're almost there. But I think equally within the church, friendship is probably the most important, least talked about relationship. I can't tell you the last time I heard a sermon on friendship, for example, that I hadn't given. So over the next few years, actually, that's one of my areas of passion and interest that I'm going to be speaking lots about. Well, let's put it out there right now. If you're listening to this podcast, after you've finished, even if you want to press pause now, pick up the phone, just just ring up a mate and just listen. Ask how they are and listen. Just go on, I dare you to do that right now. There's your challenge. There's your challenge right now. Uh, Phil, Phil, before we move on, tell us about your book again, your upcoming book, because your previous book was called... Story Bearer. So for those on the video, it looks a bit like this. Oh, look, don't uh, so tell me that. Don't tell me run. that wasn't already prepared. 
No, no, I've got a whole shelf here with other people. Not, not all my book I hasten to add with other people's books. Uh, but this is, uh, this is Story Bearer. Um, so I wrote, I wrote Story Bearer because it's, uh, I, um, all of us can be more effective at sharing our faith with our friends. That's yeah. what Story Bearer is about. But The Best of Friends um, uh, comes out, published by IVP. Um, get hold of it. And uh, would, it's really about, it's about the power of friendship. Do you know, the, the, the benefits of friendship are so good. It's, mm. uh, it's, it, you can live really unhealthily physically, but if you've got good friends, you'll live longer than someone who's lives keeps himself in shape, but, but socially isolated. It, it genuinely is better to eat kebabs with friends than salad on your own. So it's about the power of friendship. It's about the pressures that we're facing on fr- as friendship as a world. It then looks at the various circles of friendship as modelled by the best friend of all, uh, Jesus. So we look at his friendships, the way he treated people, the way he structured his friendships. Um, and it's just a deep heart rallying cry for us to invest our time, energy and conversation around friendship um, and also be friends with people who are different from us. There's loads of practical stuff in there because I think friendship making is, is an art that we need, often need to learn. So there's loads of practical stuff about how we go about making friends, how we go about deepening friendship. Um, and I'm really hopeful uh, that, that in five to 10 years, we are more connected as a world. People are less saying we're divided and fractured. Um, I'm, I hope to play my part in, in, in helping that happen. Amen. Amen to that. Absolutely. And uh, the book sounds great as well. So do go and uh, check it out and we'll, we'll um, see if we can get a link at the bottom as well so they can go straight to that. Now, I asked you to bring a little bit of scripture with you today. We asked you to bring your favorite bit or something that resonates with you. And of course, you know, one bit of scripture that might resonate with you today may be something completely different in a few weeks' time. So what did you bring with us? And would you be kind enough to read us your passage? Yeah, of course. Um, So I've got some verses um, from Lamentations 3. Um, And these are verses that have just meant a a huge amount to me over the last few years as we've journeyed through um, the the pandemic into a cost of living crisis, into the threat of World War III, death of a monarch, political turmoil, um, but also have known personal tragedy and, and crisis as well. And kind of as I've journeyed through the, the death of my mum and, and been just really discouraged um, and disappointed, at, you know, for the last few years. These are verses that have meant um, a lot to me. Um, so, uh, so I'll read them. Thank and, you. Um, let explain. So Lamentations 3 from verse 16. He has broken my teeth with gravel, He has trampled me in the dust. I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendour is gone and all that I'd hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lovely. Well read as well. Well read. Why Thanks, why, why did you choose to bring that with you today? Well, um, I, I first read those verses, um, I don't know, probably almost 30 years ago with my dad. My, um, my dad was a really committed Christian and the Bible was really central to our home growing up. And one of the things that my dad really annoyingly used to do is he would drop me to the bus stop in the morning, which was about a kind of half an hour drive. And we would have to learn Bible verses in the car before we could talk about interesting stuff like the football or the Formula One. <laughs> and uh, and so we went through, we literally went through from Genesis to Revelation, like a Bible verse from every book of the Bible. So we'd get in and I would sit down and we'd go, okay, Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Exodus 3 verse 14, God said, we go all the way through. And the one from Lamentations was that. And a lot of the time I thought, what the heck is the point of this? And then I hit a really low moment at university where I was just in absolute anguish over a, 
whole host of situations. I was really discouraged, really anxious. And um, I remember one night screaming into my pillow as I went to sleep. The next morning I woke up and the thing I, as on a really crisp February day, I'm walking down the, walking down the road on the way to lectures. And the verses that come to mind are those from Lamentations that say, because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. His compassions are new every morning. And I would go as far as to say that in, those, in that moment, those verses saved me. And so as a result, they've kind of meant a lot to myself, my family over, over the years. And I think, as I say, in recent times, you know, it's felt like we've been trampled in the gravel. It's hope that it's felt, felt like our hopes have been, been dashed. Mm. But yeah, this we call to mind and therefore we have hope. And the beautiful thing that is that hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And we are good news people in a bad news world. And those verses will, I, I, I think till the day I die, will continue to have a real resonance in my heart. I think that's lovely. Did your, I'm curious, did your dad actually suggest the verses you had to learn as well? Yeah. So it was almost, yeah. so do you, did you think to yourself, perhaps he knew that you would need that one day? Yeah, maybe. I think I think maybe God God knew before him, but but yeah, absolutely. I think I think just generally, actually, I think there's there's something about memorizing scripture that is we've lost the art of that really because because we've got you know the Bible at the touch of our thumbtips. Some of that memorization that kind of our parents, grandparents, and previous generations did because because they didn't have a digital devices to search through. I think we've lost some of that. And actually, for me, I would say that not just that verse, but many that I've I've memorized and internalized have made a huge difference over the years. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of uh, if you do want to use the technology as well, there are things to actually help you with that. There's like the Holy Bible app as well. I'm sure is. Um, I'm sure like by becoming a member of the Evangelical Alliance as well, that'd be a good place to go as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'd love, yeah, love you to join it. And, and you yeah. get access to all, kind, all yeah. kinds of things and, and resources as a result of that. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, also, so something I do, you know, twice a day, it's very, very, it's a small little quick thing, but just like Lectio 365 and, uh, and yeah, things cool. like that, which, which, which are great. Lots of little bits and pieces like that that work for you. And find one that works for you. That's true. So we have come to the time where I say... What does it mean? I really don't have a clue. Yes, we've come to what does it mean. So what you find in the world of Christianity, there's a lots of words and phrases that are used. And I think that it can be a bit off-putting sometimes. They can be sort of some old-fashioned words or it could be phrased in a certain way where you're thinking, oh, that's a bit of a put-off. I don't know what that means. I'm going to keep my distance from that. Well, you really don't need to at all. And I think as well, there's also, uh, you might, people who actually go to church might be sitting at the back or in the middle or if they're brave at the front and they're actually sitting there and they don't really necessarily know what these words mean, but they wouldn't dare say it. So what we do is every week we sort of break down the barrier and I just want to know what you consider it to mean and what it means to you. So I've got, I think it's a really nice one. I'm glad I'm asking you this one as well. And so my question to you is, what is the Holy Spirit? A nice simple one for you. <laughs> what is the Holy Spirit? Wow. Okay. So, I mean, first of all, what I'd say is when uh, I explain to non-Christians big ideas like the Holy Spirit, I, I kind of caveat it with, it's, it, it does sound a bit out there, doesn't it? You know, it's not, we don't often use the kind of, you know, something like the Holy Spirit, you know, in, in regular kind of parlance. But I guess it is kind of bound to be a bit out there when we think about relating to the creator of the universe. And, and I think what I'd say, first of all, the, the, really the best way you could understand God is to get to know him yourself. Okay, so, so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I'll come on to say in a moment that the Holy Spirit is, is an expression of God. 
I could tell you today a bit about my family, but it would be 10 times better if you if you met them. So it's so actually meeting the Holy Spirit, being friends with God is the far by far the best way to understand the Holy Spirit. But kind of an explanation of what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God with us. So when Jesus was on earth 2000 years ago, he could only be in one place. So when he went back up to heaven, his promise was that God could be with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. So when he went back uh, to heaven, that's what happens. When we become a Christian, the expression of God that connects with our heart and soul is the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's the best definition I can give you. The expression of God that connects with our heart and soul. And when we are connected, the Holy Spirit does loads of stuff in our lives. So first of all, the Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus. When, you know, when Christians talk about the fact that they're changing or becoming better people, that, that's the Holy Spirit within them. I've, I've got a mate, for example, who became a Christian on Alpha course, went home and his wife was like, who are you and what have you done with my husband? And, and all these nice, he started doing nice things and started being pleasant and forgiving and less angry. And so she was so convinced by the transformation in his life, she started going to church and she became a Christian. That's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Maybe another thing the Holy Spirit does is, is, is leads us into truth. So the world is full of lies about who we are, what we believe about ourselves, about who God is. When we read the Bible, it's the Holy Spirit who brings it to life. The Holy Spirit um, gives us power. So I'm often afraid to do things for God. And the Holy Spirit, the, the Bible says, gives us power, gives us boldness to be able to step up, step out and do things. The, the Holy Spirit, we first expect, read about in the Bible, where on the day of Pentecost, when the, the, the disciples, these terrified fishermen were kind of like, this could have been the end of Christianity, right? So you've got a few people left over from the death of Jesus. But the difference the Holy Spirit makes is fills the disciples with power. That day, 3,000 people become Christians because an illiterate fisherman stood in front of a crowd and said, you need to know Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. Loads of other things, I guess. You know, we could talk about Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, guides us, gives us gifts, comforts us, helps us pray. But I think the best thing you can do if you want to know who the Holy Spirit is as a person is to just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and see what difference God makes in your life. So, so if you're a Christian and, and, and you want to know who the Holy Spirit is, I, I, my encouragement to you is off the back of this podcast, take a moment to be still on your own and say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. If you're not a Christian yet, the best thing you can do is to do what I did at the, say at the, at the beginning of the podcast and say, I'm going to turn away from the things that I'm, do, I'm doing. I'm going to go to live, live my life for God and then ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and get to know God for yourself. I could talk loads about the Holy Spirit. The best thing you can do is get to know them for yourself. I think that's brilliantly phrased. I love the fact you're saying invite them in. I, I mean, I do it every day. I do it. At, we're in the studio at the moment. I do it. I invite the Holy Spirit in. And you know, you you can, whoever you are, you can do it in your own way. There is no right or wrong. You don't have to suddenly get holy and it's like a, I invited the Holy Spirit. I, like you could do what I do. I walk around, I'm making a cup of coffee, go, Holy Spirit, come today. You are welcome to come and fulfill this place, fulfill everyone who comes here. So you can do it. And it's amazing. You do get that feeling. You do feel it. You really, really do. And right. I think it's really interesting. You're saying when there was just a few left at Pentecost, and it, it could have gone, you know, it could have, could have flatlined, right? But it didn't. It just grew, it grew, it grew. Now, what are we on now about? There's about, what, two and a half billion Christians growing to 0.8? Yeah, something. yeah. Yeah, something like that. Three billion, I reckon, I reckon three billion by 2050. Okay, so this is really interesting, right? Because I was having this chat the other day and I was um, saying... It isn't, that's happened really quick. Like, that yeah. has happened really quick because, let's say 2,000-ish years ago, okay, right? 2,000-ish years ago. Getting to like 2.8, you know, 3, 3 billion 
that is incredibly quick in that timescale. So, you know, there is something to that. And if you and in your story there, you were saying that you see the transformation and then that person becomes Christian. It is so real. It is so true, you know, that if when you got that little feeling, like you're listening to this podcast now and you're thinking, yeah, I just know. I just know there's, there's a bit more. Explore it. And I think that Phil is absolutely right. Start with just inviting the Holy Spirit in. If you don't know the Lord's Prayer, don't worry about that for now. Don't worry. Just invite the Holy Spirit. Create that relationship. Start that relationship. So it actually lends uh, itself quite nicely to my next question for you, uh, Phil. Where have you seen God working recently? Now, there's a lot of focus for some reason on the negative in the world. You watch the news and things like that. And it's a very sort of negative base. It can drag you down a bit. You know, how many times I'll just turn the news off. But there is so much wonder, so much beauty going on in the world. Where, where have you seen God working recently? Yeah, I mean, it won't, it won't surprise you to, to know, Elliot, that, you know, well, it's a, it's it's people, people's lives that, that I know. It's friends, right? So so uh, one of the things I do is I, I've got a list of people who, who, who are on the outskirts of faith, who are, are Christians, who I pray for, try to pray every day. So I'm praying for about eight, eight people at the moment, and and some of them have been miles from God at times. Do you know, I found out at the time of recording, we were just after Christmas, and um, I found out that seven out of the eight went to church over Christmas. Just blow my mind, right? So, so sharing faith is really hard work. And do you know, what? I don't any, I don't think any of those would yet call themselves Christians. But something I'm praying regularly and trying to do my best to see them come to know Jesus. I didn't invite most of them to church. They just ended up there and got his texts. Going, I'm in church. So I think so. That's that's a that's a major major part of that. I mentioned those two mates at un, in the, that university reunion. Um, one of them was actually interestingly reached out and said, you know, can we can we talk about faith? I'm really interested in in faith and. So so he and I are meeting once a week at 6.30 on, on Thursday mornings and we're just chatting about faith, you know, and he's he's on a journey and, and I'm, I'm totally seeing God at work in his life. Um, I've got another, there's a, there's another huge bit of good news in our house at the moment. Um, I had a, a mate from school, um, I, don't know, I don't know how long ago, maybe eight years ago, reconnected with and then he asked me to pray, you know, again, like nowhere with God, but just was in a real real pickle. He asked me to pray. He, was, he, he needed a job and, uh, and so I prayed. He comes back a few weeks later and said, mate, your prayers have been answered. We've just been offered a 60 grand a year job. I'm like, wow, that's good, isn't it? You should probably thank the guy who gave it to you. Not, <laughs> and I'm not talking about the employer, right? So he goes, yeah, I know. He goes, yeah, I know. Yeah, the big man got me that. And I'm like, great. So then a few months later, he started working this job. And then now he wants a girlfriend. So he says, well, it worked the first time. Will you pray and get a girlfriend? So I'm like, okay, this helps you come to know Jesus. So I pray. And he meets this beautiful girl who thinks he's amazing, laughs at all his jokes, which aren't always funny. And 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 they've, they've, they've been together for a bit. And then they, still not at Christians yet, they got engaged over Christmas. They're on a journey. But I totally believe that God's at work there. God really is at work, you know. I, I, my, my job, you know, as, as, a, as an author and as evangelist, I preach about 100 times a year in, de- in various different contexts. And, and at the end of 2022, I went through my journal and, and just records just the goodness of God and, and the thing. And you forget often just the moments where God's at work. And, you know, I saw tens of people come to faith last year, just, just, in, just in church services where I'm preaching. I, there was this one moment where I was, I was speaking and um, uh, a baptism service in the morning. And there was someone there who was there 
who was there as, as the carer of someone um, with additional needs. And the carer was, I mean, she woke up this morning, who am I looking after today? I'll take them to church. That's what they do. The carer was so impacted by the message. She becomes a Christian, gets gets baptised at the evening service. Another, another place, I saw a whole family in church for the first time give their lives to Jesus for the first time. There was another church just at the end of the pandemic where this this uh, this guy puts his hand up to, to say, I want to become a Christian. And the pastor comes up to me really excited at the end. He goes, let me tell you that guy's story. This guy was a homeless guy. He'd been kicked out of the local homeless shelter for anger issues. First time in church, surrenders his life to the king. Do you know, we, we need us need to remember as the church, we are good news people in a bad news world. The gospel still works. The church is growing. Jesus is alive. And um, I'm constantly seeing God at work. Do you know what? That's, it's wonderful. And, and I'm, I mean, I've, I feel myself being quite grateful because I do hear a lot of these stories working in what I, what I do. You know, I, I produce a lot of Christians coming in, writing their books and et cetera. And it's amazing when you hear people's stories. It really is. And what I would say on, on top of that is to just keep telling those stories. Yeah. Tell people about it. If something great happens, tell people because people want to hear it. They really do. People want to hear it. Now, you're saying about, you know, how did you phrase it? The good news in a, how did you phrase it? Good news people in a bad news world. Bad news world, which uh, which does lend itself beautifully to uh, this. Splat the gnat. That's correct. We are now going to splat the gnat. Now, let me explain what this means to you. This is something that just, I came up with a few months ago. And it boils down to, I, I write songs as well, you know, I'm, I'm, a lot of people do. We get our guitars and we write some songs. And I was actually just thinking about evil. And I was thinking about bad stuff. And I laughed. I laughed. And I thought to myself, it's actually got no power. But it takes hold of you. It takes hold of you. You let it kind of manifest and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I suddenly related it to a gnat. I suddenly thought, you know, it's like, it's like if you've got a gnat flying around in front of your face, you're like, oh, get away now. Get away. And you sort of swipe. If you, if you see me on YouTube right now, I'm just sort of swiping my arms everywhere. You're like, get away, get away. But we don't, we don't just like let it swipe it and let it go. If it flies back, because it does, it always flies back. We suddenly start making a big deal. We get a bit agitated and we make a big deal. But next thing, we're standing up and we're swiping and making a big deal out of it. Where if we just turn to Jesus and we just handed it up to God, yeah, we, that's equivalent to just going splat. And that gnat has gone. And we can do that at the beginning. We can do that at the beginning. When there's a little bit of anger, it could be negativity, it could be hatred, it could be anything like that. At the start of that, we can make a decision by splatting that gnat in the name of Jesus and handing it to God. So my question to you is, if you could splat a gnat, what would that gnat be? Nice. Um, I think the gnat at the moment I would splat is comfort. And the reason I suggest that is, Interesting. I think the, the stage of life that I'm at, I was talking to someone, someone the other day and, and talking about the fact that, that I think you're, the things that are the gnats, if you like, as you get older, change. So we talk about my mate ads, right? So for, as, a, as a teenager, as an older, as a young adult, the kind of temptations that I would face were, were kind of, you know, around alcohol and girls and, and, and you know, stuff like that. And, and for me now, it's probably just, I think I'm so, I'm so drawn to worrying about money and, you know, I, I getting a patio and, and kind of comforts, right? Home comforts. And I think the greatest 
the, the enemy's very subtle. These gnats are quite subtle. And I think the greatest temptation for us as, as maybe more kind of, you know, more middle-class, middle-aged Christians can often be the, the gnat of comfort. And I think God constantly wants to, to, us to, to splat the gnat of comfort because I think I don't think we were created to be comfortable. I think God wants to continually want us to depend on him. Um, and so that is the gnat that I would like to splat today. I think that's a really excellent answer. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't expecting an answer like that at all. So I think that's great. And it does make a lot of sense as well. Okay, before we sort of wrap up, I like to do a little quick fire game show. And it's basically just three questions. You probably know them. You might not. I mean, I've had to look up some of them. In fact, even the ones I knew the answers to, I went and Googled just to get a little bit more information. And that's the whole kind of point of this, you know. So we're all kind of, <laughs> you're sort of chewing your nails is thinking, what has he done to me? <laughs> but... What is this? Yeah, what is this? But I'm just going to fire out a question. I'm going to play like a little seven to eight second bit of music just while you think about it and then give your answer. If you can give more than just the answer, by all means do. And this is just for you guys listening at home and for me to remember, to remind or to learn or to inspire to go and find out a little bit more. So they're just three little simple questions. So I've got my, my notes here. Okay, so who were the first apostles called to follow Jesus? Moody music. So who were the first apostles called to follow Jesus? Andrew. Correct. James and John. It was actually Andrew and Peter. Oh, so it says here. Go. So I've got, I've got, I've actually been doing. I don't, like, don't think if you're listening to this without watching. If you see it on YouTube, you can see that, or, or TikTok, you can see I'm holding an iPad here because I've had to do some research. I'm just kind of reading stuff I've ripped off. If I didn't do the video, I could probably get away that I was really brainy. I'm not. As Jesus was walking, can I, say, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something I'm really good for? I'm really good for Andrew because Andrew, Andrew, actually, I think he goes and gets his brother. If I'm right, if I'm right. And the challenge for Andrew is that James and John are like in the inner circle with Peter, but Andrew doesn't get to be in the inner circle. So I'm, I'm, I genuinely, I feel most sorry for Andrew of all the disciples. I've never thought about that. Right, exactly. It's like, it's like you know, it's like, you know, you, you introduce your mate to someone else and then, they, then you get cut out. That's harsh. What? Why is that? Great question. If you read my book, The Best of Friends, you'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Best of Friends, you heard it here. I actually do talk about that. Well, I'm going to go and check it out. It says here, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now, I would love to go into the whole conversation of fishers of men, but we don't have time today. Okay, so second question. I'll give you half a point or 10 million points for the first one. All right, it's fine. So after Jesus was arrested, which apostle disowned him three times? You already know. Oh, you, look so, you look so confident. That's, that's Peter. That is so easy. Yeah, yeah. You've got to wait till the dramatic music. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm it's joking. Peter. No, it's Peter. So just, do you know what? Just tell us the, the story. Go on. Tell us what happened. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think for me, actually, for me, actually, the, the, the Peter story, the restoration is better than the, than the kind of denial. So I, 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 as I've 
read this story. It's a bit like what you talk about the cross and resurrection. I've read this story a load of times. I think really only in the last few years have I realised the depths of how gutted, absolutely devastated Peter must have been. Yeah, yeah. Because this guy who's one of his closest friends, he's journeyed with for three years, and he just kind of puts his foot in his mouth. We've all been in situations where we've said something stupid, and maybe a friend of ours has overheard it or whatever. And, and Jesus knows, and then he dies. And, and I think for me, the, the, what must go on in Peter's mind of, I have no way of being reconciled. I have no this. I have no way. There's no way back, right? There's no way of reconciling this relationship. So no wonder in in John 21, when the when when Peter's on the boat and he sees Jesus on the on the beach, no wonder he gets into the water and swims for all his might to get to him. Yeah. And the emotion in that breakfast where Jesus says, "You know, Peter, do you love me?" I mean, you know that that in Hollywood would not do that justice. It's that good. Do you know, I recently recorded Tom Wright, as some people know him as um, N.C. Wright, uh, reading his new New Testament for everyone. And I actually, John, I'm going to do a shout out for him there. Uh, if you think to yourself, I'm very, very much new to the Bible, what translation should I go to? I would actually highly recommend this one. We recorded the audiobook, which is also fantastic. And I would advise listening to that. Don't worry, I don't get any money from this. <laughs> you know, we, we, don't, we haven't published it. We created it. But it's wonderful hearing someone like uh, Tom reading the New Testament because it really does make yeah. sense. But every time it got to the fact that Peter wept or Peter cried, I felt, I've never heard it read to me the way uh, Tom had read it. I'd never heard nice. it like that. And I felt really gutted and emotional and sad and I, I felt like I could actually feel what it must have been like for him and that pain and it's just it was just been it just really reached me and I had to go and research it some more I think it's because it's so I feel so passionate about speaking up and sharing stories and and people discussing that when he made that denial it made me think of how often do we deny things mm. that we believe in or, or things that we love. You know, I tell my children, it's like, you know, whatever you're passionate about, be proud of that. If your friends think it's, it's, it's not cool, like my, 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 uh, my little boy, he's, uh, he's six years old, you know, at Christmas, he wanted, um, his sister was having his nails, her nails done, yeah? So he wanted his nails done, you know? Granted, he had Batman on them, you know? That's <laughs> cool. He wanted Christmas nails, you know? And I actually made a point, you know, like when you go to school, remember that, you know, you want these nails and, you know, you love those nails. So he, he was quite proud going around showing them. But how often do we deny? I think actually that's, I'm going to write that down because that's something we need to address, you know? But it's a question to think about. How often do we deny things? Okay, so let's move on to your last question. Okay, ready? So, let's question... Get this, let's get this terrifying ordeal over. Yeah. <laughs> Who recognised Jesus as the Messiah when he was presented at the temple as a baby? You look traumatised. <laughs> what could it be? I'm going to go the prophet Simeon. Yay! <laughs> he got it right. He got it right. Absolutely, absolutely. So I've got here. It says uh, Simeon at the temple was a just and devout man of Jerusalem. Devout. I think I need to look into that word. That's not a word we use, is it? And that, you know, a devout man. I just wanted to know you're a devout man. Um, so it says, according to Luke in um, chapter two, verses twenty-five to thirty-five, met Mary, Joseph, and Jesus as they entered the temple to fulfill the requirements of the law of Moses on the fortieth day from Jesus' birth 
i.e. the presentation of Jesus at the temple, um, which, so first of all, well done, but, uh, <laughs> and it's over now, so you can breathe. But what's also quite cool is that I remember my minister, Sarah, she she got, she had, she talked to me once and she just got so excited. She said, Do you know what's so great is when you realize the link between the New Testament and the Old Testament. And yeah, beautiful. That's what it touched on, touched on there. So that's something that keep listening to this podcast and um, that will all come into play. So, Phil Knox, thank you so much for today. Um, it's been an absolute treat having you on. I was wondering before we go if you would just like to, to say a prayer before I close down. Yeah, I'd love to. When you, uh, I mean, first, first, if you, I, I, I often will give this opportunity. If you're listening to this and uh, you've never, you've never, you, you felt on the outskirts of faith, but you want to be on the inside of faith. Nice. And you want faith for you. Would you pray this prayer with me? But, but also, whether you, you know, wherever you're at in your journey of faith, my encouragement to you is to is to know God with you today. We talked about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit filling you, making a difference. But also, may we be good news people in the bad news world. So let's uh, let's pray together, shall we? Thank you. Father, thank you that uh, that you are full of good news. Father, thank you that you love us, mm. that we are loved beyond our wildest expectations. Thank you that you have provided a way for us to know you. And Lord, for those on the outskirts of faith, I pray that today, uh, right now, they would choose to say, I, I want to know Jesus better today than I did yesterday. Mm. And I want to keep progressing on my journey that I might know God better for myself. Mm. And where there is stuff in the way, I pray that that would be removed in Jesus' name. And I pray that each of us listening to this now would know real hope, real life. And God with us today. Thank you, God, that you're for us. Thank you, God, that you choose us. And thank you, God, that you know us. I pray that you would help us to be the best of friends to those around us. I pray that you would help us to to keep walking on the journey towards you, to know you better. And I thank you for this opportunity and the technology to be able to share today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if I may, just Lord, thank you so much for Phil and the work that he does and everyone that evangelical alliance be with them help that grow help those millions go to tens of millions to hundreds of millions and just reach out and to let everyone who's listening everyone who's listening who has a flame just to go and explore that a little bit further and lord i ask i pray for everyone listening today i pray for their families i pray for their work i pray for any issues they may have going on that they know that you have your hand on their shoulder and that they can welcome the holy spirit in and every time they ask, it will be there for them. Father, thank you sincerely. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us today. Phil Knox, absolutely great. Go and check out his books. There'll be links below. Go and look into Evangelical Alliance. Remember, you can follow us on all our social media. And remember, hashtag oof. Say it with me. One, two, three. Hashtag oof. And oof. <laughs> perfect. And I will see you next time. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Outskirts of Faith podcast. You've been listening to the Outskirts of Faith podcast. We would love more people to join our community. So please subscribe, share this podcast and join us on our social media. And of course, you can visit our resource website at outskirtsoffaith.com. 
This podcast was edited by Chris Byland, the YouTube video editing by Adam Moss, music by Matthew Salvage, and hosted by Elliot Frisbee. The Yelps go